praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Veronica. Just give you this. Um, so, good morning. My name's Nick. Uh, we've got a few uh, first timers here this morning, so I hope you feel uh, very welcome uh, amongst us this morning. Um, so, our regulars, though, will know that normally we have. We use the Bible app and the notes are in there and the Bible verses are all lined up and uh, failing that, we usually then have the Bible verses on the screen. So I'm going to warn you, that's not happening this morning. Okay, we're going old school this morning. So I encourage you to take the moment to get your Bible out, even if it's on your phone. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, uh, there's a whole stack of them uh, in the foyer on that stand in the foyer. So you can go and grab one there uh, and encourage you um, one way or another to open up to um, Psalm 150. Uh, And we're mostly going to stay in the Psalms this morning. Uh, And what I'm talking about this morning is, um, this is not part of a series or anything like that. Um, having a couple one-off sermons over the next couple of weeks and then we're going to begin a new series. Uh, and so this morning I want to talk about stepping into worship. Uh, and, uh, and this morning I want to encourage us and challenge us as a church to take a step deeper into worship or into worship wherever you're at at the moment in terms of worship. This morning I want to encourage you to step into worship. Um, and so I'm going to pray, encourage you to pray with me uh, as we jump into God's Word this morning. And so, Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who bore our guilt and shame and condemnation on the cross. And so, Father, we know that uh, now no longer because of that sacrifice does guilt, does shame, does condemnation come from you. You are not the condemner. But, Father, we do thank you that you do convict us by your Holy Spirit that we might become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we this morning, any guilt or shame or condemnation that we feel, uh, may feel, or, or anything, we just reject it in the name of Jesus because we know it doesn't come from you. But, Father, we do ask that you would convict us this morning by your Spirit, that we would be shaped by your Word and by your Spirit, that we wouldn't come to your to your word to come to worship this morning and go away unchanged. And so I pray this morning that you would convict us, that it wouldn't be my words, that it wouldn't be uh, my babbling, Lord, but that your spirit and that your word would convict us to step into worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as Veronica read for us this morning, Psalm 150, which is the last psalm, it's probably one of the loudest psalms if we were to um, enact it out. Uh, but it's, it's a psalm that talks about worship and, 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 it's, and it gives us this call to worship that we, we don't just read in Psalm 150, we read it throughout the psalms and we read it throughout the scriptures that we're, we're called to worship. It begins with this idea of worshipping God everywhere. Praise God in His sanctuary, 
praise Him in the mighty heavens. It's, it's praising God in the earthly sanctuary all the way up to the mighty heavens. It's, it's praising God everywhere. We can remember, um, for those of us that are familiar with the Gospels, this uh, woman that Jesus spoke to at the well, asking Him essentially a question of where is the right place to worship? Um, is it in Samaria that the Samaritan thought or is it in Jerusalem? And Jesus essentially answered, wrong question. It's about how you worship. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so this, this psalm speaks of this worshiping everywhere and it speaks of worshiping with everything. Sorry, it speaks firstly of it worshiping everywhere and then it speaks of worshiping for everything. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. And so it's this idea of worshipping everywhere for everything. Everything that God has done, all of His acts, and, and simply because of His greatness. Not just what He's done, but for who He is. And it's this idea of worshipping Him with everything. Whatever you can find. A trumpet, a harp, a lyre, a tambourine, with your dancing, with strings, with a flute with clashing cymbals, with resounding cymbals. And you will have to ask uh, Andy what the difference between a clashing cymbal and a resounding cymbal is. Any? The way you play it, uh, right? Uh, and so making anything you can find that makes a noise, use it to praise God. And then this final thing, that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And so this psalm kind of speaks of everywhere, for everything, everything you can find, and everyone is called to praise God. A few Sundays ago, the Sunday before Easter, uh, we had Palm Sunday, which is the day that we remember Jesus entering uh, triumphantly into Jerusalem. And, and in Luke's telling of that, uh, Jesus is walking in and his disciples and the crowds are worshipping him and praising God and worshipping Jesus. And the Pharisees are upset by this and they say, you know, tell your disciples to stop worshipping you. And Jesus says something remarkable. He says, if they were to stop, the rocks would cry out. If Jesus' followers stop worshipping Him, then inanimate objects will start crying out in worship. And if I was there, I'd kind of probably want to go, let's all stop and see what happens, because I want to see this. <laughs> but the Scripture gives us this idea that everybody, everything, everywhere, for every reason, is called to worship God. But I want to suggest this morning that it's more than a calling. It's actually our identity, your identity and my identity is to be a worshipper. It's an identity and it's a destiny to be a worshipper. And so if you've been a part of this church for a while, you would have heard me in the past say that our, our number one primary job description, no matter who we are uh, on, on earth, is to be a maker of disciples. That, that Jesus gave us this great commission, we call it, and He says, go into the world, uh, into every nation and make disciples of every nation. And so our number one job description in this life is to be a maker of disciples. But that's not our eternal identity. Because how many of us know that in eternity we won't be making disciples? That time of making disciples 
either when we pass away or when the Lord returns, that time of being disciple makers will come to an end. It's a job description, but it's not our identity. It's not who we are. And we can think of King David, and we can't find anyone else in the, in, in the Scriptures who, who is more of a worshipper than King David, and he wrote many of the Psalms. And uh, if you kind of avoid the Psalms in your Bible, I encourage you just to spend some time in there because it's a rich language of worship. It's part of what it looks like to step into worship. But, but King David had a job description, being king. Be the king of Israel. That was his job description. But it wasn't his identity. It wasn't his destiny. His identity, who he was before he was the king, in seasons where he was outcast from being the king, his identity, his destiny was to be a worshipper. And in fact, it's in seasons where he lost sight of who he was as a worshipper of God and focused more on who he was as the king that he stumbled. And so I want to encourage you to grab this idea this morning that yes, we are all called to make disciples of all nations and I'm not trying to dilute that calling, that's our number one job description but it's not our identity and it's not our destiny because in eternity we will spend eternity joining in the chorus of the angels singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So I'd encourage you to get some practice now. And so it's our, it's our calling, it's our identity, it's our, our destiny to be worshippers of God. If we fail that calling, if we fall from that calling, then God will be worshipped, the rocks will cry out. But, but as cool as that may sound to, to see, I encourage you to step into your identity as a worshipper of God. Whether you're gathered here this morning or whether you're at a cafe this morning, whether those who aren't here, their true identity, their true destiny is to be a worshipper of God. It's, it's everybody, it's everyone that has breath. Our, our purpose, our identity, our calling is to be a worshipper of God. And sometimes that worship just comes from the overflow of, of who we are and where we're at with God. And so if we read a psalm like a hundred, Psalm 147, I'm just going to read the first uh, nine verses of it. And so if you've got your Bibles, flip. If you've got your phones, scroll or swipe. But Psalm 147 is the kind of worship that comes out of overflow. You're just in a really good place with God and it just bubbles over. It says, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting it is to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. And so this is kind of an overflow. You can read that psalm and think, Whoever wrote it, doesn't tell us this one in my Bible, whoever wrote it is having a good day. They may maybe not, but that's the sense I get there. They're like, God is so good and life is so good. It's so good to praise God and they're overflowing with worship. And like, everybody get a harp. We just need to praise God. It's an overflowing worship. And I hope you've had times, I know I've had times in my life and 
where, where I'm just like, oh, it's just so good and pleasing to sing praises to God. There's nothing else I would rather do. I can't wait, you know, where it's Monday and I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. Not that I have to wait till church next Sunday to, to praise God, of course. Worship is more than what we do on a Sunday morning together. But it's just like, oh, next Sunday seems too far away. I want to get together with my church and I want to praise God. I've had seasons like that and I hope you have too. Seasons where we're filled with joy in the Lord. Seasons where we come to church and it doesn't matter what songs the, the worship team are playing. We just think they're the best songs ever. And we're just like, oh, there's something about the songs this morning. Must, there's something that just is, I'm bursting forth with worship. Sometimes worship just comes from an, an overflow. It's like David, the, the, the worshiper who, who, identif- like who was identified as, as a worshiper, a person after the Lord's heart. And it's like when he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, if you know the story. And uh, he was dancing with all his might before the Lord, it said. And he got so excited, he stripped off some of his clothes and um, stripped off his royal robes put aside the signs of royalty and he wasn't completely naked but basically it was just himself as a worshipper before the Lord um, and some particularly one of his wives was offended by that but he says I'll become even more undignified than this I will worship the Lord he's saying you cannot stop me it just is flowing out of me And so we should hopefully cultivate this idea of overflow. This is a place where we, we want to be. In Psalm 119, which is like the longest psalm, Veronica's happy I didn't ask her to read that this morning. A bit of an inside Bible joke. But. Psalm 119, verse 171, which is a hint of why that's a joke. Um, 171 and 172 says, May my tongue sing of your word, Sorry, I'm started reading from the wrong verse. 171. May my lips overflow with praise, for you teach me your decrees. May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. And so this psalm touches in that, that place of that heart where we should desire to be people that overflow with worship. This should be something that we cultivate our lives and our faith and and, and, and our experience of worship to be something like this, that, that we desire this overflow. This year, our, our vision picture statement is about being all in. And uh, for those that were here last year, you remember that it was overflow. And there's so much in the scriptures about living a life that comes from a place of overflow, that we're, we're filling our life up uh, with good things, with God's word and dwelling in his presence and spending time in prayer. Um, and gathering with the church so that we, we have more and more seasons where there's just this overflow of worship, where it just spills out, where we're so full that it spills out. So as we step into worship, I encourage you to step into a desire to worship out of the overflow of what you're filling yourself up with. But this morning, I want to spend more time acknowledging the reality that sometimes or occasionally or often, we just aren't feeling it. The reality of life, the reality of life's stresses, the reality that we have a spiritual adversary who the last thing he wants us doing is worshipping God. 
the reality of, of, of small children, as Christy touched on this morning, or perhaps the reality of, oh, I'm conscious that I haven't had a shower this morning, and so maybe I don't want to lift my arms, I don't know. But, but the reality of life, sometimes, occasionally, or even often, means that sometimes we're just not feeling it. Sometimes worship, I'm talking about worship and praise, and we know it's bigger than that, but, but it's not less than that either. The reality is of life is that sometimes worship music becomes irritating. You know, we have these overflow seasons where, where it's just like every song is the greatest worship song of all time and it's just bubbling out of it. But then in these other seasons, in these seasons where we're, we're dealing with the stress and reality of life, sometimes, I don't know, this might be just me, but it's kind of like, these songs all just, oh, they're irritating. If you're on Spotify worship, you just skip, 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 skip and you use up all your skips. And then you have to listen to the ads. Or you just can't seem to find the right song to get you in the groove. Or maybe you come to church and you're just like, they're just not playing the right songs. I, I could worship. I came with a, with a leaning towards worship. But they didn't play the right songs for me to be able to worship this morning. That's the reality of life that we, we sometimes are in that place and it's my reality too. The truth is that there's sometimes where it is Monday and I feel like the next Sunday is too far away but there's also times where I would rather stay under my blanket at home on a Sunday morning. The reality is sometimes I don't like the songs. The reality is that sometimes this is the last place I want to be on a Sunday morning. Not because of God, because of me. Not because of you. Maybe sometimes a little bit. <laughs> Not because of you. <laughs> but because of me. And that's just the reality. We had a great time away. We had a great time of uh, connecting with our young boys and I feel more connected with them away. But... I've come back feeling quite anxious. Um, part of that's just the, and thank you, Kate, for the phrase, holiday hangover. Part of that is I've come back and some of the issues facing me as a, a pastor uh, just in leading the church and helping people through some stuff in their life, they haven't spontaneously resolved over the last two weeks while I've been on holidays. And so this morning, uh, over the last couple of days, I, I, I confess, I, I was not looking forward to being here this morning. I just felt like I just need another six months holiday. <laughs> and then, given the right songs, <laughs> and a good sleep, and perfect children, and not feeling overweight, then I'll be ready to worship. So I want to encourage you this morning when there are those seasons where worship comes from an overflow, where it just bubbles out of you. But the reality of life is, and I pray that that happens more and more for us, and I encourage you to cultivate your lives of faith, your relationship with the Father, 
so that that's more and more your experience. But the reality of life is it's probably not going to be that way all the time. And it is for you. Come and teach me. That's not a joke. It's a little bit funny. I'm not criticizing you for laughing, but seriously, if it is you, come and teach me. But when we're not feeling it, it's no less our identity or calling to worship. It's still who we are and what we're called to do. And so it's, it's when worship isn't overflowing out of us, we need to make that choice to step into worship. It's like the, this image of sometimes there's, there's streams, you know, it's biblical imagery, streams of living water, but let's talk about it as worship this morning, just streams of worship flowing out of us. But there are also times where the river isn't flowing out from us and we need to step into the river. And so the Psalms, and this is why I encourage you to read the Psalms, the Psalms are not this everything's always awesome kind of worship book. In Psalm 42, the first... Actually, no, I'm going to read it all. In Psalm 42, we read, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. There's this thirst. I'm not overflowing, I'm actually thirsty. My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? There's this sense of, I'm absent from God. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. There's this sense of, I used to lead, I used to be the overflower that led other people with shouts of joy into church and into worship. I'd be out there on the street saying, let's go worship God. I'd be encouraging others to be worshipping. I remember that, but that's not where I am now. So in verse 5, the, the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. And so the writer of this psalm is having this experience where they're not overflowing with worship. The river's not flowing out of them, they're thirsty. They're not feeling close to God. They're feeling like, where, where is God? They're remembering those times where they, they used to be the overflower, the, the, the one who led others into worship, but, but now they're, they're in a time where they're dry, they're feeling distant from God. But their response is to take authority over themselves, to speak to their soul and say, why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls and your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love, at night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. 
I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And then again, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my, and my God. And so the psalmist models this idea of, of, of not feeling it. Of feeling the thirst and the disconnection, but responding in remembering who God is and what He's done. Responding in making a decision to say, Soul, you will praise God. Rather than letting the feelings, the thirst, the distance from God dictate to them, oh, I'm just feeling distant from God, I'm, I'm feeling a bit dry. Just, I just, I think I'll have a break. I think I will step back. The psalmist's response is to step in to remember. We see this even more clearly in Psalm 103. I'm just going to read the first six verses there, but just want to read from the Psalms this morning, just to give this sense of the breadth of worship. And so here, the psalmist. Is again, it's, we don't get this list of what's going wrong for them at the start, but, but we get the psalmist taking authority over themselves and telling themselves to worship. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist is saying, soul, praise the Lord, and all my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And, and here's where we get to this practice of remembering and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. It's so important for us to choose to step in and choose to remember who God is and what He has done because we are typically pretty myopic as a species. We're typically focused on our present experience, how am I feeling today? What's happened for me in the past week? Were my children nice to me this morning or did they scream? Did I get a good night's sleep? We're typically so focused on our present feelings and circumstances. If we're going to step into worship, if we're going to choose to worship, we need to do this practice of remembering who God is and the benefits, uh, the things that He's done for us. This isn't a, 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 a passive thing. This isn't a lightning bolt from the Lord, a, a word from God for the psalmist. This is not a prophet showing up on his doorstep, reminding him or her of, of, of uh, all the things God has done for them. This is not a, a letter or a testimony from someone else. This is the psalmist saying, I'm going to step into worship. And I take authority and responsibility for myself. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to remember who He is. I'm going to remember what He's done for me. As I said, we've come back from our holiday and I've been feeling a bit anxious. 
partly just holiday hangover and uh, so we came back, got back Thursday evening and um, on Friday my wife Christy had to go to work and because uh, we only got back Thursday evening we let our boys have another uh, day off school and so I was at home uh, with the boys and they, were, they had a pretty good day, they were good. Um, but I just had this real feeling of anxiety. There was a couple of things I had to do that day, a couple of phone calls to make and um, yeah, and mostly just the sense of like, okay, back to it. Um, you know, I coach uh, my eldest soccer team, um, though he's older than the last time I played soccer, um, but just the organisation around that and the next game was the next day and we didn't have their uniform yet and so we're going to have to sort out those logistics and, um, and so I was just feeling anxious and so what I spent most of the day doing is just digging into some good quality distraction and I justified it because I'd hardly looked at my phone uh, the entire holiday, I'd made that decision and, and so I just thought, well, you know, I've got some hours to catch up and I'm still a good person for not looking at social media too much because I haven't looked at it for two weeks. And, and so I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time just, just distracting myself during the day and um, any guesses how much that helped to reduce my level of anxiety? Probably, if anything, a bit of an increase, uh, or at least a plateau. Um, and then, uh, as um, and my wife Christy had a birthday party to, to head to on Friday night, um, and, and so um, I kind of had the, the mud map in my mind of what I wanted to talk about this morning, but hadn't really put it together. And um, but I already knew I was going to be talking about stepping into worship, and I'm like, oh, I guess I should probably practice a little bit of what I'm going to preach. Um, can I tell you, I was not feeling it at all. It wasn't my wife was out, I'd gotten the kids in bed, or was in process of getting to the bed. I was not feeling, I cannot wait to hit the worship playlist on Spotify and spend some, some hours in worship. But, and, and largely, I do confess that probably because I was about to preach a sermon about stepping into worship, I thought I should, should do that. Um, and so... Um, as our eldest children were still reading, because what I wanted to do was Netflix. Um, and I did get there. I said, well, I'll do that later. Um, but so as, as the eldest kids are in bed, but they're having their, their reading time in bed, I'll, I'll put on some, some worship music on Spotify. And I only did that for about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I made a decision to step away from distraction and into worship. But can I tell you that I... I didn't share this during testimony time because I want to save it for my sermon. Um, but that, that 15 minutes of worship almost completely transformed my attitude. I say almost because I do confess, still feeling a bit of anxiety, still I'm not kind of... not so much feeling it this morning, but... But just that 15 minutes of a decision to go, I'm going to put on some worship music and I'm going to step in to worship when I wasn't feeling it. The level of peace it brought me compared to what I was feeling for the rest of the day was surprising. It shouldn't be surprising, but I was surprised by it. And so the thing is, when we, when we choose to step into worship... It transforms our attitude. So we sometimes believe this lie that if that that we kind of wait should wait till we're feeling it, wait till we're we're ready, wait till you know the spirit's moving in us. 
for that decision to step in when we're not feeling it leads us to a place where we are feeling it. It's like on holidays there's a swimming pool and sometimes I was like I couldn't wait to swim. The kids always wanted to swim and there's other times where I didn't want to swim but every time I got in because you know, kids are little, I enjoyed the swim. I like swimming. Sometimes there's this inhibition about not wanting to jump in but, but once we jump in, we're going to enjoy the swimming. So I want to encourage you to choose to step in even when you're not feeling it. To take responsibility for you, for your life, for your calling to worship and step in. And I want to encourage you to, to choose your attitude when you step in as well. Like, there are times where you know, the best thing you can do is drag yourself to, to put on a worship CD or drag yourself in the front door of the church. That's okay. That's, that's a stepping into worship. But I want to encourage you to not let that be your norm. I'm going to read a final psalm this morning. And... Psalm 100, another psalm. This is kind of an overflowing worship psalm, but I want to grab a line out of that. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His, His, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is God is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so I want to grab that line, Enter His courts with thanksgiving. This is about how we enter into worship. This is about praising God before we even step through the door. This is about cultivating our lives and choosing to step in when we're not feeling it so that when we step through the door into this place to worship together as an example, that we've already walked through the door. We've already stepped in. Uh, I'm stealing a line from a, a, a pastor named Louis Giglio who who I heard him say at a conference once, you've got to walk through the door before you walk through the door. And what he meant is you need to be in Jesus. You need to be in worship before you walk through this door. As I said, there's a, it's, this is not a guilt or shame thing. It's not a condemnation thing. If there's, there's mornings where all you can do is drag yourself across the threshold of the door to be picked up by the rest of us and, and led into worship, that's okay. That's what we're here for as a community. But try to not let that be your norm. Try to let your norm be, I'm entering through that door, shouting and praising and giving thanks. If you need a particular song or a particular type of song so that you can enter into worship, then don't hope that the worship team are going to play that on a Sunday morning. Spend your whole week or at least your Sunday morning with that on, on your, your, your wireless or your boombox, your Bluetooth speaker. Spend, spend, if you need a particular song that's just buzzing for you at that moment, that that's the song that gets you into worship, play it 20 times before you come on a Sunday morning so that whatever they play, you're just there. There's a, and I'm not going to look them up for the sake of time because I want to create time for, for something and someone else, but... Um, 
there's these, these verses in the experience of, of David's life um, before, while, while his predecessor Saul is still living. And um, they're both moments where he's not feeling it. He's, he's out, down and out and he's downcast. And, and in, in 1 Samuel 23 verse 16, um, his great friend Jonathan comes to him and we're told that Jonathan helped David find strength in the Lord. And then David goes forth from there and does some great things. And a, and a few verses, a few chapters later, we, we find David in another really hard place. And in 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 6, we read, And David strengthened himself in the Lord. There's this transition of responsibility from tr- strengthening himself in the Lord, from Jonathan strengthening David to David strengthening David in the Lord. And what I want to say is, as a church, I feel like too often we rely on the worship team to be our Jonathan. Too often we come not through the door with thanksgiving and praising, we come waiting to be led into worship. And that's okay. There are times where that's okay. If that's where you're at, that's okay. But where I want to see us go as a church is that we're, we're coming as a David who's already stepped in, who's strengthened ourselves in the Lord. Because, you know, you don't get to know the stories, part of the, the, the blessing and joy of being a pastor and part of the challenge of being a pastor is most Sunday mornings I know the stories. They're not always feeling like Jonathan. You know, I just can't wait to strengthen the church in the Lord. Often, they may have just dragged themselves across the threshold as well. So what I want to encourage us to do as a church is to take the week leading, and it's not all about a Sunday, I hope you know that, don't get sidetracked with that, but to spend our time when we can choose whatever song we want, when we can choose whatever style we want, when we can read whatever verse we want, to take that time to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, so that when we walk through this door, we're ready. Not to start, we're ready just to keep going with the family around us. To step in and to draw others in. I want to encourage you that these aren't the only worship leaders. I cannot sing very well. My wife's the, the leader of the worship team and I still can't get on it. But I consider myself a worship leader, not because I'm the pastor. I sit down the front here because I, I want to lead the church in worship, not, not to be seen so people, oh gee, he's, he's on fire this morning, but I want to set an example, I want to lead others in worship. So I want to encourage you to step into being a worship leader. Maybe that means stepping down the front, but... but you know, Jeff sits down the front here, Abraham's usually up there, but, you know, Steve here can be a worship leader. I'm going to lead everyone around me in worship because I've already stepped in. And so if there's a David beside me that needs me to be there, Jonathan, I'm going to be that this morning. I'm going to help them find strength in the Lord. So what I'm saying is don't come to church as a default waiting to be led. Step through the door before you walk through the door. 
we've come so far as a church in, in our gathered worship together. But I just want to encourage you that there, there's more. There's deeper places of intimacy for us to go. And this is, again, not about condemnation or guilt, but about a desire to go deeper. Um, and so as Christy is our, 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 our leader of our worship teams, I've just asked her to, to share a bit of her heart for, for, for what worship means to her. Okay, I'm conscious of time, and I am a rambler, so I'm going to try and skip, um, stick to my script. But I just don't think we could put it any better than what Nick's just just shared. Like I'm almost like I don't really want to add anything because I think that just epitomizes what it is. It is something that it's a discipline that we have to be doing to stepping into worship, whether we feel like it or not. So my prayer is that as I share this, that nothing distracts or takes away from what Nick's already shared because you're on fire this morning, hun. <laughs> but for over, I've been to church all my life and I've been involved in worship teams for over 20 years. And to be honest with you, when we first came here, I didn't want to be part of the worship teams. I just wanted a break. I just was having my third baby. I was arriving in a new town. And for whatever reason, I just found myself singing and then I found myself coordinating rosters. But for me, it's much more than that. It's not just coordinating rosters. It's coordinating uh, a team who um, are learning what it looks like to come every Sunday and worship from a place of, of passion and not to perform. We never want to perform. We just want to share our hearts with you. But I've just got three quick points um, of what is partly my testimony. And again, I don't want to put any condemnation on anyone. That's not what I want to do. This is me sharing my journey. And worship, I'm going to steal the illustration that I heard last week in another church. Worship is like, you know, it's like a diamond. It's got so many facets to it. We know that worship is our life. We know that. We don't just worship with song and music. We worship with our words, our attitude, our everything. So don't hear me not include that when I speak about This is just another little facet of that worship. But I grew up being a consumer of worship. My number one thing I want to leave you with is worship is a verb. It is a doing. It is an action. If you're like me, you've visited churches or you've, you know, tried out new churches, one of the first things people will critique is the worship. Ah, oh, the pastor was okay. They'll be friendly, but oh, gee, the worship was woeful. Couldn't go there. And it's true. It's our human nature. We treat church. We treat worship as a product that we consume. And partly also because of all the podcasts and churches we have access to now, we can get quite judgy on what sounds good and what doesn't sound good. But I really um, encourage you, like I had to learn, is not to treat worship like a product. I was inhibited in my worship for years because I thought it was about me. I treated worship as a consumer. I would come to church on Sunday and I would judge it. Don't like that song didn't like what the worship leader was wearing. Gee, that guitar was too loud. Why is the drummer so loud every week? I couldn't even hear anything. It didn't please me because I was coming in with a mentality of they are here to serve me and I was completely at fault. 
we are to bring the sacrifice of praise. And as Nick has shared this morning, sometimes it's a real big sacrifice. We're not feeling it. It's not what we receive on a Sunday morning, but it's what we give. We are singing to a great God. It's not about us. If you're not feeling it, and again, I don't want to add to anything Nick has said, you know, start looking within. What is it? We sing a song here called 10,000 Reasons. There are 10,000 reasons to worship God, if not more. So it's not about me. So number one, don't come to consume worship, but be a part of it. Enter in. We're not just here at the front singing to you. We are singing to God and we want to invite you into that. Second thing I want to share with you is that worship is transformational. Romans says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I cannot sing some songs without being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because I realize that what I'm singing, I'm not living. And what I'm singing, I'm not feeling. And it transforms me over there, over there, wherever I'm sitting. Because I can't sing that proclamation of his truth without me and the Holy Spirit having a little bit of a war in the row here where I'm going, whoa, I can't sing that this morning because I have not lived that this morning. But then I have a moment where the Holy Spirit transforms me through songs. And so, you know, we... we we are careful with what songs we choose to sing. We always, um, as a team, meet together. We show them to Nick to make sure they're theologically correct. But a lot of these songs we sing are scripture, and there is so much power in the Word of God. So worship is transformational. And finally, worship is an encounter. There's this worship leader called Kim Walker-Smith, and she was with Jesus Culture for many, many years, and she says, you cannot encounter Jesus and not be changed. And so we often pray in the mornings that we would be changed as we sing these songs because we're not singing to God like he's in another room or he's on another planet. Like we are singing to God who is standing with us. So, and like Nick said, I really encourage the teams that we're not worshipping on Sunday. We're worshipping Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Sunday is just an overflow. And there are many, many mornings that I want to hide under the blanket too. But I always feel encouraged and blessed and transformed with every encounter I have with Jesus and I can tell you I have worshipped in places in Africa in mud huts I've been to rural country towns on mission where all I've had is a very dodgy keyboard player but it doesn't matter how woeful the music is or it doesn't matter it doesn't sound great the morning who we're singing about never changes He never changes. He's never dodgy. He's never woeful. So don't let your experience of of different styles of music stop your um, praising him. So they're just some of my things. And I hope I haven't detracted from what Nick said because it was really good. (laughs) Amen. That's good. So we don't have a dodgy keyboard player. We've got an excellent (laughs) keyboard player. I'm going to ask her and Abro and um, our not-too-loud drummer. When we step into worship, it's this encounter with Jesus. Scripture says the Lord inhabits our praises. When we step in, it transforms our attitude, it transforms our heart. When we as a church step in together, it transforms the atmosphere. It transforms societies, it transforms the culture around us, it transforms the town. 
So maybe this morning you're like David in the, the first verse I referenced. You're like, I'm not feeling it. So I encourage you this morning, step in and let those around you be your Jonathan. Sometimes we, we kind of, you know, we have this idea where the best worship is with your eyes closed and, you know, that helps us to connect with God. But if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to open your eyes and look around at your brothers and sisters. Gain strength from them to worship the Lord. But I want to encourage you this morning to, to connect with that second verse I read from David's life where you simply choose to step in to strengthen yourself in the Lord and be a strengthener to others around you. I'm sure even after all of that, there's some of us this morning that, oh, God, the music's playing. I just want to stay sitting down. What I want to encourage us to do this morning, and it doesn't, I was going to ask Eliza what song we were finishing with this morning. I thought, actually, it does not matter. What matters is that we step in. So if you're here this morning and for whatever reason you've stepped back, I encourage you to take authority over your soul. Say to your soul, I will praise God. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Yas Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.